it was it was a tough pill to swallow to kind of see and take ownership of like I'm the person that got me to this place there was no one to blame um like I signed for all my loans I you know I was the one spending the money or whatever the case may be um and so I think it's really also empowering though when we take ownership of our contributions right not negate any abuse or trauma or anything like that but when we take ownership of our contribution to our situation it empowers us to be able to have an influence to change certain things and so I I found myself at a You're listening to the Wealth and Wanderlust podcast, an international finance and personal development podcast for the modern day woman. I'm your host, Vanessa M.W., and I'm here to help you build a better life abroad or in America. You can find out more about my work in finance and travel on wanderonwards.co, or you can say hi on Instagram at wanderonwards. Not all classrooms have four walls, so open your mind to what's possible and let's get started. Tiny and Bold, thanks so much for leaving a review. You're our very first winner. Please DM me on Instagram to claim your prize. Hi, everyone. It's Vanessa MW from the Wealth and Wanderlust platform and podcast. Um, so today we have a very special guest. I was actually on her podcast originally, and that's how we got associating. She has paid off five-figure debt in records times. She is a business owner and just an overall wonderful person. So Ms. Jason, would you like to introduce yourself, where people can find you, and anything you're working on right now? Yeah, I'm just sent. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Las Vegas, Nevada, educator and entrepreneur. So in my private practice, I work with mainly women of color on anxiety, depression, trauma recovery, and life because life is challenging. Um, And I also teach at UNLV courses such as personal growth and development, contemporary couples and families, and train the clinicians in the graduate program there. And then I show up on the internet to support motivated millennials to get out of debt and live their whole best lives. So I paid off over $90,000 in student loan and credit card debt in three years before my 30th birthday. And what I recognized was that all of my clients, except for one in the thousands of hours of therapy and coaching, mentioned money as a major stressor for them. So I used the psychological and behavioral background to address problematic money mindsets this year, I started Wealth and Wellness University, which is a course and community uh, combined to support, you know, those millennials who are committed to themselves. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Where was this Wealth University when I was like 21 and just like lost? These young people don't understand how good they have it. Yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, (laughs) thank you. Thankfully, thankfully, um, you know, the more of us that we can kind of find where we want to plug in and serve in the world, the better off anyone behind us can be. And that's really a part of like why I started my debt-free journey was because I I wanted to honor, you know, those who came before me. I'm an immigrant and I wanted to honor the sacrifices that they made for me to have my life's opportunities and to leave a legacy behind for, you know, the young people in my family, even though I didn't have children or anything at the time, but I had nieces and nephews and there's people that are looking at me, I think as a minority, it's like, we don't get to like, not (laughs) um, somehow be like a role model, right? For other people that look like us in some way, shape or form. So, you know, it was really just like, okay, how can I best serve um, anyone who might feel like my story resonates with them? And that's where Wealth and Wellness University was born out of. But yeah, like none of us was getting these lessons. Like we took math every year and never took personal finance. I like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> I know it's so frustrating. Um, so December twenty uh, first, because my astrologist said it would be the perfect time to do this. Uh, I am launching my um, financial fluency course. It's a six week course. It's basically a semester of personal finance, and I even teach people about investing. So this is me creating what I wish would have been there uh, when I was starting on my journey. But you, I didn't realize you were an immigrant. Where are you from? I was born in Uganda, but I was raised in the States. So we came over when I was a baby. The majority of my family is still there. Some of us are tripled all over the world. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, I'm an immigrant. Like no one ever seems to remember this. <laughs> um, everyone's like, you're living your expat life. It's like, no girl, I am an immigrant. I am here for a better life. Um, there's a big issue in the international community where we call like rich, wealthy, white, uh, or white passing, um, immigrants, expats, but the hardworking, like Filipina maids or the construction workers that build entire cities, they're immigrants. Um, and there's a lot of deep seated racism, patriarchy, capitalism that we'll have to unpack for the next episode because you'll be here again. Um, but let's talk about your debt journey specifically, because what an incredible story, $90,000 in three years. Can we first talk about any sort of feelings you might've had towards this debt? Because as women of color, I think we really get into our feelings of guilt, shame, all that business when it comes to money. I feel like you're calling me out right now. <laughs> Like that's exactly what happened. It was actually $94,538.60. And yeah, it was laden with all kinds of embarrassment and shame and guilt because I ended up getting divorced when I was in graduate school to become a licensed and marriage family therapist. So I like my whole life a contradiction, you know, I felt like I was um, like the ultimate imposter. And then my father passed away a few months after that. And so in grief that I kind of, you know, wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. I didn't even have a good foundation financially in the first place before that stuff happened um, to kind of keep me on track, you know, when I was dealing with my loss. And so when I kind of came to, we'll say in 2017, January, 2017, um, and kind of saw the wreckage that was like, Ooh, what? Like what's been going on the last couple of years? Um, it was it was a tough pill to swallow to kind of see and take ownership of like, I'm the person that got me to this place. There was no one to blame. Um, like I signed for all my loans. I, you know, I was the one spending the money or whatever the case may be. Um, and so I think it's really also empowering though when we take ownership of our contributions, right? Not to negate any abuse or trauma or anything like that, but when we take ownership of our contribution to our situation, it empowers us to be able to have an influence to change certain things. And so I, I found myself at a crossroad to quick commercial break. Want to manage your money better? Check out my beginner's budget dashboard. It's an easy to use digital tool that helped me economize my lifestyle easily so I could invest over $20,000 in 2020 alone. Check out the link in the description. And I say like, okay, I can keep going down this way. And what we know is that if we keep going this way, you might end up with like millions of dollars in debt because that's how interest works against you. Or if you, <laughs> if you um, take a chance and do what your heart desires, which is to get out of debt, then, you know, it may take you longer than you would have originally hoped, but that path 
feels better. Even though I didn't know how I was going to do it at the time, I did not have the income at the time. I just went with like, what's my deepest desire and how can I get creative to see if I can make it happen? If nothing else, I'm still in debt. Like I already know what it's like to be in debt. So take a chance on um, the path where I, I try to follow my, my deepest heartfelt desire. And it worked. It, it happened. I got, I got debt free this year during a pandemic. Like crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's totally doable. Um, so I had a very like baby credit card debt of 10,000, uh, on top of my a hundred thousand dollar student loan, but I paid off that 10,000 in eight months while studying full-time and not having like a real job. I just economized on everything. I used a little bit of my student loan. I worked all these random jobs. Um, and every single month I dumped in everything that I could. I was like, I don't need to eat anywhere fancy. I'm just going to be in these leggings for God knows how many more months. We're going to make it happen. So what was the first step you took when trying to climb this mountain? Yeah, after making the decision, because I think making the decision is first. And I think we get confused in thinking that we have to feel like it or that we have to have, um, you know, a clear path before we decide. And to me, I think the decision comes first and then you couple it with some kind of small action. So I decided and then in deciding your brain kind of gets creative and trying to figure out the path. It's like a puzzle. And so the first thing that I did was, okay, you know, if I'm going to be debt free, I decided how when I wanted to be debt-free by, which was, I was like, it would be cool to be debt-free by the time I'm 30. And I was turning 27 around that year. Um, and then I was like, okay, it, do, do I need to budget now? Cause I never budgeted before 2017. So I was like, I mean, I guess I should probably like track where my money is going and tell it, <laughs> tell it where to go. So I think that that was the next thing was like, okay, I need to learn how to budget efficiently for me. And um, in doing that, that kind of got the snowball rolling. And so there were a couple of books that I, that I looked at and read um, to give me some insight. And what was your biggest expenditure that might've created some sort of like surprise? Because for me, it was travel. I was spending 500 pounds a month on travel. And as soon as I cut that out, I was like, oh my God, I have all this money. Yeah, for me, I think it was probably like eating out. And then when I did my spending audit and I looked at my account statements for the last however long on one of my credit cards, um, yeah, I was wilding out at Walgreens. Like, I don't know what, I don't know if they've got like, I don't know if they like haze you with drugs at the door, like whatever happens, I, I walk in for one thing and without fail, like I leave with $50 worth of stuff every single time I go to Walgreens. Um, so it was usually, it wasn't like any one huge thing. It was just like these one-off like death by a thousand cuts where I was just spending frivolously. And because I didn't have a plan or purpose for my income, it was just going out the door. So really it was eating out um, and, and those just one-off spending sprees at Target and Walgreens. <laughs> did you have anyone that was on this journey with you, supporting you? What did your family say? Yeah, I think that, you know, when I told people about it, um, they were kind of like, okay, girl, like, that's cool. Uh, I don't think there was anyone that was blatantly against what I was doing. There were people that had maybe questions or didn't really understand. But my friends really uh, would would be supportive enough that like when we hung out or whatever, they're like, okay, well, let's go here, whatever. And like she said, you can't spend money here on a budget. Like you need to get debt free. I'm like, 
okay, but I, I mean, I put, I put this in the budget <laughs> or I would show up with my own food sometimes at the restaurant. So, um, so there's that, they were pretty supportive. And I think that in the process, they were supportive, even though they didn't really understand the full picture, but then as they saw progress occurring and, and the momentum that I gained, they're like, oh, oh, now we get it. Hmm, how do I do that? So um, not anyone that was on the journey with me, but I did have a lot of supporters. That's amazing. I find that in the Latino community, people don't really get the whole debt-free movement. We kind of just accept that this is something we're always going to have to deal with and we rely on one another to to support each other to stay above water. But I don't I'm not happy with that. I want thriving. I want us exploring, learning, bringing ourselves up um, and our community up at the same time. Um, did your experience allow you to help Black women specifically, or did you find that your reach was just um, just anyone who was looking for help? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I started sharing, you know, my story on social media just because uh, I wanted people to know that there are different options, right? The narrative that we get from society is like, there's, there's one way, like, you need to go to school. And when you go to school, you're going to have to get debt. And when you get debt, you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life. And that's like what we're supposed to accept. And so I wanted to share what I was doing so people could see like, oh, there is another way. And I, I think originally, uh, it really inspired probably first women that look like me or are similar to me, but then it kind of spread and anyone who, like everyone is dealing with money, that's an adult. So um, I think that that kind of cuts across a lot of different lines, um, but heavily, heavily, heavily like women of color not just black women and I feel you on you know um, the narrative around family and being an immigrant and all of that because uh, there as far as I'm concerned and my experience and what I hear from a lot of people is that like there's an expectation that yeah you're supposed to send money home you're supposed to be taking care of them and I'm like but I, what I'm doing is going to make it so that I can take care of everybody even better, you know, like I need to do this right now so that I can do it even, you know, take care of everyone on a grander scale later on. And so I think that it's interesting trying to have those conversations and re like rewire the way that we see things. Um, and I think that the action really helps for them to see it as there's results. They're like, oh, I get it. Like you can send me more money. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's always like a weird hurdle to overcome because our parents learned money in a much different way. And so something that I've had to kind of learn on my own is investing because we've been trying to keep our head above water for so long. And the real focus in the middle class is buy a house, get a pension, die. Like that's, that's the narrative. <laughs> But I, I want more than that. Like, I want to see the world. I want to travel. I want to buy things. I want to help people. Um, did I tell you what my secret dream is? No, please do. Okay. So when I climb the tall mountain and open my tech uh, company, I'm working on an immigration app. Um, I want to have so much money that I can just take my own boats off the coast of Italy and save the um, refugees that are making their way to Europe because I worked alongside Syrian refugees during the like the big Syrian war in Turkey. So I got to hear their stories. I got to learn more about them. And having money and financial independence will allow me to cut through the international diplomacy bullshit and just go save some people. Just go save some people. 
Vanessa, you are my people. <laughs> I'm like, yes, because I think you know when you have it. I usually won't tell most people like my crazy dreams because they literally will like be like a dog. You know, like their heads will be like, hmm, what? I'm like, yeah, like I want to be able to have a huge impact, and that starts with me and myself and my situation so that that's out of the way and I can really kind of amplify my impact in the world. And the thing is that everyone is capable of that. Everyone has an idea, a dream, a business, a book, a song, a dance, a painting that they, that's within them that's like waiting to come out. And to me, debt and you know the lack of financial literacy is like a low level issue because there's so much beyond that that is waiting for people. And I just like would hope that people would understand and try to find a way to get past like this entry level problem so that they can get into what I call the amusement park and start having fun. And so um, it's really important. And I think having those huge dreams is necessary. I think it's a little isolating when you're like, yeah, I want to like change the face of a whole country. And people are like, Go is she? everybody yeah like you just don't talk, I'm just not gonna I'm just gonna talk about it with only a couple of people like <laughs> so I'm glad that you have like such a huge dream and I can't wait for it to be you know surpassed and amplified beyond you know what you can even envision you know what I mean absolutely because money is power which is why we are here talking about it if we don't like the way things are are going we can put ourselves in a position to have more influence to have um the ability to help the people we see that need direct support so that's why we're here doing this thing. Um, in regards to your, um, cons not consulting, your therapy clients, um, when they come to you about money, is this more of a single girl, single man, uh, non-binary people, or are these couples? Yeah, so it's mainly individual women, um, about 25 to 35-ish. And sometimes they won't even necessarily mention money as the problem, but it's somewhere intertwined in there. Some people will come directly for that. But what we find is that, you know, there, there are limiting beliefs, there's financial trauma, there's, you know, some kind of hiccup in their mindset or whatever the case may be, getting in their way of being able to make progress because the plans are simple. You know what I mean? Like the, when you look at a financial plan, literally it's laid out, do this, do this, keep doing it. Like there's not, it's not rocket <laughs> anyone can look at it and say, okay, but it's really what lies which is the ability to practice discipline, the ability to delay gratification, um, belief in yourself. I was talking about confidence all last week because people's lack of confidence in their ability to um, be consistent is what gets in the way of being able to follow that plan that's very clearly laid out for them. And so that's what I recognize for people who want to, you know, make strides in their personal finance journey, but they're hitting some kind of roadblock and they're unsure of like what that is or how to get past it. And a lot of the time it has to do with those things like learning beliefs and all, none of that has to do with money. If money were about math, we'd all have more of it, but it has to do with so much more and we have to learn how to get past that stuff. And sometimes we need support for that. That's why we need to get, you know, your financial literacy course, you know, um, and things like that so that we can get the support that's going to help us understand how to get around our roadblocks. Absolutely. And so this is a little bit of a, of a strange place I've gotten myself into, but it's a wonderful place. I, you are looking at the premier um, money coach for women of color in Beijing, China currently. Um, so my, my clients are all exclusively like wonderful black women who are um, over the age of 32 and who are struggling with the mentality that they need to be 
in a certain relationship point in their life because a lot of them come from um, African families that, so these are English uh, black women of African descent and uh, African families have a lot of expectations about children, marriage, all that jazz. Um, what would you recommend to these ladies who are focusing on um, building their wealth, but also have this family expectation of children, the husband, the house, the whole nine yards? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that it's a difficult balance to strike when we have like our internal expectations for ourselves and we have external expectations for our lives um, as it pertains to our family and our community. And so um, collectivistic culture is typically that of most people outside of like the U.S. and whatnot. And so I think that finding that balance is really starting with what you want and what you need first, and then understanding on the outside what parts of the external um, expectations fit with what I want and what I need. Because what happens is that they can overlap and work together if we allow them to. But the struggle that we create, like this internal battle, actually keeps us from being able to progress within that thing. And so, um, you know, being able to address work with, you know, Vanessa or whoever feels like a good fit for you um, to be able to address those things is that you can like do it all. Like there are women who are getting married, having children and still killing it in, in business and things like that. Now it's easier said than done. It doesn't mean that it's just like seamless, like life is just pretty all the time, but um, it does require, I think, having a greater level of support. So you don't have to do it by yourself. Cause I think there's also this narrative for women that's like, well, I need to like be able to like solve these problems on my own, or I should be capable of figuring this out. And no, like everyone uses and anyone that's successful at least, right? Whatever we would classify that to be, um, has support, usually has like a whole team, not even just one person, but like a whole team to support them um, in whatever that thing is. And so you gotta figure out, okay, you know, is some of my family on my team? Is Vanessa on my team? Do I need to get a mentor in some area in my work or whatever um, so that we can kind of adopt these underutilized resources called support to help us be able to do all the things. So yeah, I would say you have to start with what you want and then figure out from the outside what makes sense for you within that and then get the support to make it happen. But it's possible, you know, it, it, but not by yourself. <laughs> Probably no, not by yourself. Not. It takes a village, um, especially to pay down like crazy amounts of debt, especially to be a working mom um, that has to care for the, the family and her career. There are so many different levels that you have to consider um, I'd like to remind all these ladies, there's no medal for being a martyr. Like my mom told me this from day one and she, my mom hires someone to put up our Christmas decorations. And the reason she does that is she is the, the mayor of my city and she is fighting to get ICE kicked out of my city. She is fighting to take down Donald Trump and his supporters in my city. And if she doesn't want to hang up her Christmas decorations, the bitch doesn't have to. I love you, mom. Sorry, I called you the B word. Um, <laughs> but she is such a strong woman. And I, I just like vibe off of that so much. Um, I hope I instill the same sort of like cheerleading attitude with my clients, with people who follow me, because I do believe in every single one of you. I don't care if I don't know what your name is. I don't care if we've never met or even talked. I believe in you. I have seen people come back from so much worse. So now the next step is for you to believe in you. And get support. It, 
Yes. And because you might have to rely on, you know what I mean? Like you might have to rely on someone else's belief in you and allow them to show you why or how you can believe in yourself. Because someone says, you know, Vanessa, you're phenomenal because of this, this, and that. If someone is like, you know, Jasmine, you're phenomenal because of this, this, and that, and they can show you evidence like, hey, don't you see where you did this thing? And because sometimes our brain doesn't connect how we should see ourselves, you know, as awesome. If we saw, if someone else told us about somebody else, we'd be like, oh yeah, that person's cool. But for when it, when it's ourselves, we have this funhouse mirror in our brains that we can't see ourselves clearly. And so sometimes you need someone outside of you to tell you and show you like, hey, that's you and you're awesome. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I feel like this is such a problem, or not problem, a hang up that women over the age of 30 face mm-hmm. because we start having these like biological urges or not. Um, But there also is that expectation for us to feel this way, to have these families. Um, And actually, the majority of my clients are um, single women over the age of 28 who are trying to like build their own shit. Um, Are these similar to your customers in your therapy business? Yeah, you know, that clock starts ticking right around right around that time. Now, the alarms don't go off, right? But someone probably around 25, they're starting to like see like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, not I'm not in a relationship that seems like it's heading that way right now or I'm not in a relationship at all. Um and so it, it starts ticking around I feel like 24, 25 and then the alarms start going off around 30ish. 31, 32, and it's like, like you haven't hit the markers. You're not on the right track. You're behind. Look at everybody else. They're living their best lives. Not you though. You're a hot mess. And so I think that <laughs> like that narrative or this like idea that there's a clock, um, man, it really keeps people from enjoying where they're at at the time. Cause it doesn't change that you're where you're at, at like in the moment. We can, there's, there could be all these things that are, that are happening um, and all these desires that we could have, but at, in any given moment, we are where we are and we can accept that and thrive within that. Um, or we can reject it and have all this resistance that gets in the way of us being able to meet someone at the grocery store or go on a solo trip and end up meeting our husband or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it sounds counter intuitive, but like slowing down is the antidote to what we feel like is this clock that's running out. Yeah. I actually met my husband at a beer pong tournament in China. Um, and yeah, it was super weird. I asked him out as well. Um, but for most of my like dating life, I, I never was really able to find a partner that understood me. Um, probably because they were all American men. And I was just like, I can't be dealing with these people. They be, they speak one language. Like, what am I going to do with that? Um, <laughs> and once I left and I prioritized my feelings, my dreams, my um, hopes and insp- and aspirations, that's when I found a partner that saw those hopes and aspirations, was not intimidated by it, and wanted to come along with me for that journey. Um, how important do you think it is for two people that are starting a serious relationship to be on the same page for money? Can they overcome it if they're not? Or what's, what, what do you recommend? 
Yeah, you know, I love that you mentioned that you it wasn't until you focused on yourself and really got to know yourself and gave yourself opportunities to be stretched and to grow that you can find someone else that really matches or complements, right? Like a puzzle piece who you are. And I feel like people get so wrapped up in in trying to find the other puzzle piece, but they don't even know themselves well enough to know who can fit on the other side of that. So, I love that you mentioned it because it's so 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 key. And when I ask most people, I'm saying, if someone were to propose to you today, would you be ready to marry them? No is usually the answer. If someone, if you were to be pregnant tomorrow, do you feel like you would, you have positioned yourself appropriately? Usually the answer is no. So you need to stop wasting your single time and use it purposefully so that when that thing comes into your life, you're as ready as you possibly can be. There's no such thing as hundred percent ready, but you can position yourself as well as possible. So money is like one of the number one reasons couples fight and that couples um, you know, are stressed and, and end up having other issues. And so to be able to have, you know, uh, I don't know if I wanna use the word extensive, but thorough conversations around um, beliefs around money, goals around money, because where your money goes is kind of like where your heart is at to some extent, right? Like if you really enjoy travel, you're like, you look at your bank statements and it's gonna be, you had a plane ticket, you know, you were you were on a boat in Venice, whatever the case may be, right? And so our money, it's not um, that we love money, but it, we're gonna send it to where we are investing and where our treasure lies. And so um, to be able to understand like the other person's values around money and your values around money, what might be some potential obstacles. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot of conversations that people are not having. And then unfortunately they find themselves um, have, having the conversation later on when it's not so fun. Is it okay? Is it possible to bounce back? Yes, with support. And while both people are um, 100% committed to trying to figure it out, it's kind of the same thing as like, hey, you could do the preventative care so that you don't end up in the ER. But once you're in the ER and you're bleeding out, like they're going to do as much as they possibly can. But like things are looking a little different than if you would have came in before this, you know. So that's how I kind of I kind of try to like help people see and understand um, what that looks like with relationships, since there's no physical location for um, for the emotional stuff. And how does someone start this money conversation with their significant other? Because I know a lot of people are concerned, will this conversation make this person run away from me after I just spent all this time trying to find them? Or how how do I make this a safe space for this new partner that I'm hopefully building a life with? Yeah, if they're going to run, baby, let them run. You know what I mean? I'd like that. They may not be the one that's for you. You don't want to keep them around if, they, if that's what happens when you try to have a conversation, an adult conversation with them. So I think that you have to um, either be able to say like, hey, I'm on my own financial journey or I'm kind of trying to figure things out. I don't know it all, but I'm, I'm trying to work through some of this stuff and I'd like to chat with you about what that looks like for you. And maybe you have some stuff that you can educate me on, who knows, you know, or maybe we can support each other or you know where you're at in your process and then you communicate that with kindness and compassion um, to the other person. And so personally, like I wasn't trying to date when I ended up getting to know my husband. It, so I was very just straight up with him because I wasn't trying to impress him. I wasn't trying to lock him down. None of that. I was just like, 
hi, like <laughs> we could be friends. And so I told him, I said, I'm paying off all my debt and this is what my plan looks like. Um, these are my crazy dreams and where are you at in your situation? What are you doing? And then when things got ser more serious, I was like, yeah, like if we're going to get married, I need you to pay off your debt. <laughs> and I straight up told him, I said, I will not marry you until you pay off your debt. Thankfully he made it happen. And then we got married. Like, but that was a, that was like, um, a testament to us kind of overcoming or dealing with our first things before we got married. Like getting married isn't going to magically like a wand is going to get waved and like they're going to be completely different and their character is going to change and like what they value is going to change. No, like who they are before you marry them is like pretty much who they're going to be for the most part after you marry them. So um, that was me in my path. I was very serious about what I was doing and what I wanted. And I was okay with not being with anyone. So I was like, it didn't feel like a loss if someone were to, to walk out or not want to do um, what I felt like I needed to be comfortable. But you as an individual have to figure out, okay, where am I at? Like, okay, if I'm on my journey, how, what am I going to be comfortable with as long as they're on a budget? Like as long as they know where their money's going? Because sometimes you don't even recognize, like someone may have like a shopping addiction. Someone may have like, I don't know, like some, like a impulsivity or whatever that you don't recognize or realize until later because you never just had the conversations. I'm, I'm crazy though. Cause I'll be like, so let's look at your bank account today. Let's come in the, you want to look at mine? Like, let's look at mine too. Like, you know, so that we can kind of have a context of how things look. Cause we don't want to wait. I don't know. Y'all, I just, I just cannot have the wool pulled over my eyes. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, we actually have like weekly money dates. Um, and so we put our phones down next to each other. We look at each other's bank accounts. We are so transparent. And I've never had this relationship with anyone else. Um, and I'm so glad it is with my husband. Um, but someone in particular that, that I work with, um, she is really struggling with her significant other who has asked her for money to start a business with. Um, now, I am on team our money. But in this particular scenario, this person, uh, the partner has no claim to the business as he is an immigrant and cannot legally stay in that country beyond um, six months. Um, and then there's no like business acumen. There was no savings for this business. It was just, can you please help me out, woman that I love, to make this opportunity happen for me? Um, what feedback do you have for that scenario that I could maybe pass along and that maybe other women can um, kind of uh, take ideas from as well? Yeah, I, I have more questions than maybe feedback. Like, are they, did you mention they're married or not married? They're dating. They're not married. So that has changed things a little bit. Um, I think when they're, when you're not married, that makes things a little bit more separate, right? Because we haven't made a life commitment to another person just yet. Um, so I would tread lightly a little bit with that and ask questions and then understand that they need to have more conversations because essentially what he's asking her for is either a loan or a grant. Like that needs to be clarified. Are you asking for money that you're going to pay me back? If so, what does that look like? What's the plan? Or are you asking for me to give you money as a gift to start the business? What is the amount of money? Because essentially um, it, Whenever you start working with your partner, whether you're dating or married, you now have a dual relationship. You have your personal romantic relationship, and now you have a business relationship, and they are two 
separate things, it gets kind of sticky to learn how to do that. So then I would say that they need to do some research around what it's like to be um, in a relationship and also working together. Just because you're you're um, dating does not mean like we get to skip steps or that we need to like in business, we don't need to think about certain, like, no, we need to just like in any other business relationship, dot all of our I's, cross all of our T's, but someone might on the receiving end of that, the person asking may be like, well, why won't they just give me the money? You wouldn't just go to the bank without a business plan. Like, you know, like you don't just like, I, you know, like just because we know each other, just because we're together doesn't mean that I don't deserve to know, like, when are, when is the ROI like going to be happening? Like, what does it, what are the ins and outs? Cause I'm an investor now, essentially. I'm not, so I think that, and that may be just my take on things, that it complicates things when we go from just having one relationship, personal and romantic, to now a dual relationship where it's romantic on one side and business on the other, and we have to have separate conversations. So then we have to say, right now, are we having a business conversation or are we having a relationship conversation? So then we know what mode we need to go into, what communication looks like. You may not like my communication personally if it's a business conversation, but I that's why we have to figure out, like, I'm giving you business feedback. I'm giving you investor feedback, not relationship personal feedback. And then inherently as an entrepreneur, it's inherently a personal growth journey inherently and her loaning money or giving money is forcing her into a personal growth process and him asking for the money is forcing him into a personal growth process and i don't think many people are aware of that ahead of time and then understand what feelings and thoughts and stuff come up um in the in the midst of that so i have more questions than feedback probably that like more questions more conversations to get more clarity to make the best possible, like best informed decision, you know? Yeah, I think that's really good feedback, um, especially because more and more women are becoming uh, the sole bread earner or the higher bread earner in the family and, and the relationship. So if we are making a decision as a family to invest in one person's hopes, dreams, and aspirations, there, there needs to be some accountability, some reassurance, especially if you're going to start a family with children, like, what's the exit plan if things go go south? Um, but I think this is a great place to um, end today's episode. I feel like there's so much good information here, so much tangible information. Um, once again, where can everyone find you? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram. That's Jacence Gems, J-A-C-E-N-T-S-G-E-M-S. And that's also the name of the podcast available on all major streaming platforms. And come over and say hi. Don't be a stranger. I treat my internet home like my house. So if you come over, I'm going to say hi to you first. Probably, if not, it's because I haven't seen that you were there. Um, But speak to me and let's have a conversation. Let's continue to learn and grow together. I appreciate you for having me on your show. And I'm super excited excited to just, you know, see your journey unfold. So yeah, I'm excited. Likewise. And if I ever go back to Vegas, which you'll have to get me to kicking and screaming, I will be sure to stop at your establishment so we can catch up in real life, IRL. Um, but thank fine. you so much. You. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yes. Come to Germany. We'll have a great time. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. And for everyone listening, I will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. Want to win a free finance-related digital product valued anywhere from $15 to $300? Just subscribe and leave a review on iTunes with your name. I'll announce the winner each month on the podcast, and you can DM me on Instagram to claim your prize. Thanks for supporting the channel, and I'll see you next week.